The date is Wednesday, the 9th of August. I'm Jason England, and welcome to Learn Something. Well, I will consume your brain space with all kinds of weird and wonderful facts about technology, science, and geek culture, and I promise that you will walk away from this learning something that you've never known before. Now, today, in the grand old spirit of alliteration that I've been doing over the past couple of episodes, today is Weird Wednesday. Get ready for a whole truckload of strange trivia and utterly baffling knowledge that is going to feel like a waste of your brain space, if I'm being honest, but it's going to be that sort of thing that you're going to talk to your friends around about probably when a little bit drunk and be the centre of the pie like the cool guy or girl you really are. So, let's get into it. This is going to be an interesting one. As has become tradition after all of five episodes of Learn Something, now is the time to answer the trivia time question. And today's question, yesterday's question, sorry, today's question I'll talk about later on. How silly of me. Yesterday's was about the iPhone. And the question I asked was, human life is comprised of about 30 of the 118 elements on the periodic table. How many is used to make your iPhone? So how many elements in a periodic table is used to make the iPhone that you're probably holding in your hand right now? And the answer is... A little bit of a really terrible drum roll again. I'll get something a bit better next time, guys. The answer is 75. That's right, two-thirds of the periodic table are currently inside your iPhone. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Anyway... I'll give you another question at the end of the show. This one's going to be a strange one. So get ready for equally strange question. I hope you walk away from this utterly baffled. Now, as some of you on Anchor probably heard just before with the wonderful, wonderful transition sound I picked, uh, to those listening on podcast stations, I do apologise you can't hear the noise because the very sound effect is copyrighted even though it comes out of your bum on quite a regular basis. That's right, today we're going to start with farts or trumps or bum whistles is another weird one I heard in terms of the context of it. Now, did you know that the word fart is actually one of the earliest words in the English language. That's right. So going all the way back to German peasants in 1545, the word flatulence is defined in the medical literature as flatus expelled through the anus or the quality or state of being flatulent which is defined in turn as marked by or affected with gases generated in the intestine or stomach, likely to cause digestive flatulence. The root of the word is from the Latin flatus, which is a blowing, a breaking wind. Flatus is also the medical word for gas generated in the stomach or bowels. The scientific study of this area of medicine is termed flatology. Go ahead, take that as you want. And, yeah, so the word is just about 600 years old. And that is pretty hilarious, if I'm being honest with you. Um, 
One of the earliest words is for what comes out of your ass. Another fart related fact and one that many dog owners like myself will sympathize with. Have you ever been sat watching the TV, your dog lying there looking all peaceful in front of the TV or sleeping at your feet or sleeping in front of the fireplace like my dog used to do and then without warning like a mustard gas attack fills the room with a terrible aroma everybody starts coughing and clearing out the dog has usually just stood up and walked away a few seconds before that attack has hit well you've just been hit by the silent but deadly dog fart and have you ever thought why dog farts are silent but deadly in the first place well it turns out they are silent but deadly because they have a horizontal rectum, making their sphincter looser, resulting in quieter farts. So, the standard human rectum is vertical, meaning that you have more control over your bum. And I hope chances are, you, chances are that control has been tested when it comes to not wanting to fart in front of a date, for example, or anything like that. Well, dogs don't necessarily have that, like humans, a dog's intestines are full of bacteria that feed on the food passing through us and release gas. Depending upon the composition of that gas, the smell can be benign or horrifying. Sulfur is a particularly nasty culprit. Also, depending on other factors, a dog can be more or less inclined to flatulence. These causes would be what kind of food you give your dog. So avoid beans, cauliflower, cabbage and soybeans. I don't know why you'd give a dog that, but... This is one of the recommendations that I've been given here. How your dog eats it. So if they are particularly excited to eat a lot of food, they'll eat it very quickly and take a lot of air in with them as well. So like bubbles of air will be swallowed and then that will turn into particularly bad gas. Alongside that will also be the breed of the dog. So dogs with pushed in faces like pugs, bulldogs, Pekingese or Boston Terriers will naturally swallow a lot of air. Other breeds that tend to be gassy include the German Shepherd, Mastiff, Labrador Retriever, Doberman Pinscher, Poodle and Beagle. If you own any one of these brands, brands, breeds, they're not brands, Jesus, then just, just watch out. That, that's all I'll recommend. And yeah, um, the silent part of, a, of the fart is in fact of the anatomy. The dog's rectum is horizontal as I said before, their sphincter doesn't have to be quite as tight as the humans. Our rectums are generally pointing straight down so we need the extra security. A looser opening means less resistance so most dogs are able to pass gas while making little if any sound. So unlike a human doing the same, dogs rarely give an audible warning of the coming storm. And as indicated by the transition using the Beagle's Video Kill the Radio Star. Obviously on Anchor you can listen to it. On podcasts we don't have the copyright to do so. So sorry about that. Just pop on Spotify at a later time and just listen to it. We're going to talk about video. Specifically VHS. You know, the cassette tapes that were usually overflowing your mum's cupboards. And also in leather bound cases full of action films that your dad loved. Now... 
there was plans to future-proof it. Plans that not many people know, and this is a bit of a weird one. So, today I learned that there's a late 90s form of a VHS tape that was developed to support 1080p quality video, which is full HD video, which is what most Blu-ray discs support now while moving on to 4K. It was developed by JVC in collaboration with Hitachi, Matsushita and Philips. The D in DVHS, which is what it was named, originally stood for data, but JVC renamed the format to digital VHS. It uses the same physical cassette form and recording mechanism as standard VHS and is capable of recording and displaying both standard def and high definition content. The content data format is MPEG Transport Stream, the same data format used for most digital TV applications, and the format was introduced in 1998. Of course, shortly after that, it was slightly overwhelmed by this particular thing called DVD. You may not have heard of it, but it's pretty amazing to see how they were planning to future-proof this particular kind of system. So. There were four different storage capacities. There was a DF240, which held 25 gigabytes. There was DF300, that held 31.7 gigabytes. There was DF420, blaze it, that was 44 gigabytes. And there's DF480, that held a whopping 50 gigabytes. And speaking of VHS, I'm just gonna throw all kind of wanton structure in this podcast out the window and drop today's trivia time right now. So, what was the last movie ever released on VHS? Once again, what was the final movie that was ever released on VHS cassette tapes? The answer will surprise you, but if you know, or if you have an idea, or if you want to take an educated guess, Without Google searching, of course, that's the main rule. Like, don't don't ruin the game for everyone. Then call in, um, tap the little bubble on my station, which will be on the left of the three buttons, and just give me your answer. Let me know, or fire up in the discussion on the segment, or just yeah, just give me your answer on there. It'll be great to see how knowledgeable you guys are and whether your consumed brain space is actually consumed by the fountain of pointless knowledge that I am. Okay, on to the next one. So for the next couple of facts, we're going to tackle the weirdest reasons why people have sued, why people have gone to court and tried to get money out of companies or other people for the most ridiculous of reasons. So first off, a viewer sued the company NBC for watching an episode of Fear Factor that made him feel dizzy, which caused him to run into a doorway. So this ratty eating episode. A viewer is suing NBC for $2.5 million, contending that he threw up because of this Fear Factor episode in which contestants ate rats mixed in a blender. Often, he had no problem with past instalments of the reality show's participants ate worms, insects in pursuit of the 50 grand prize, but eating rats went too far. 
In the handwritten lawsuit, it contends that rat eating made his blood pressure rise, resulting in being dizzy and lightheaded. Because he was disorientated, he ran into the doorway, causing suffering, injury and great pain. Well, asked why he didn't shut off his television before the rat eating segment, Aitken said he couldn't do it quick enough. NBC responded with a common sense statement saying, we believe the claim is completely without merit. Next up, we have a Nebraska senator who actually took God to court. In all fairness, Ernie Chambers' lawsuit against the Almighty was designed as an awareness-raising campaign against the local legislation that does not allow people to file frivolous lawsuits. The elected state senator considered God directly responsible for the acts like earthquakes, floods, hurricanes and other cataclysms. And this is why the lawsuit was filed in a cease and desist manner and the stake was a restriction order against God to stop him from committing these atrocities. However, the judge dismissed the case because the defendant had no recorded address at the time. Really, that's the only reason why he threw that case out of court. In all fairness, the reason to terminate the legal proceedings fit the lawsuit perfectly. And now we turn to airplanes. Have you ever been to the toilet in an airplane and you've probably seen that even though they ban smoking and they tell you all about the smoking, anti-smoking sensors that they have in the toilet, that there's actually an ashtray in every toilet. Despite smoking on airplanes being officially banned on all flights out of the US and out of any countries in the year 2000, these ashtrays seem to be there. Now why is that? Could it be because these planes are relatively old, like they were made quite a while ago? Turns out it's not that. It turns out that the real reason is that the FAA requires ashtrays in airplane lavatories so that the smoker doesn't put a cigarette inside the waste bin or flush it down the toilet. So this is to not interrupt with the airplane itself, it's to actually eliminate this cigarette in a safe manner, which I thought was quite a weird thing. And now for the most adorable, scientifically impressive, and just a little bit sad facts on this podcast. It turns out that the NASA's Curiosity rover turned five years old recently after it touched down on Mars way back in August 5th, 2012. And NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center programmed the Curiosity rover to celebrate. And how does it do this? Well, it sings happy birthday to itself every year. That to me is the cutest and most saddest thing I have heard. As NASA's technologist Florence Tan explains, the rover's sample analysis unit vibrates at different frequencies to move samples and basically this is how they get it to sing happy birthday to itself. They use this sample analysis unit to vibrate at certain frequencies to sound like the song. It feels a little solemn knowing that the rover will never make it the 208 million mile trek back home to celebrate on Earth. but. Here is what it sounds like. Happy 
Happy belated birthday, Curiosity Rover. Wish I could be up there celebrating with you. And that's it for Weird Wednesday. I hope you're all as suitably freaked out, inspired, surprised, or entertained as I was finding all of this stuff out. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to go and take part in Trivia Time, which was a segment that I did a few segments back. And the question I asked was, what was, I'll say that properly, what, there we go, what was the final ever film released on VHS? The answer is going to surprise you, but if you already know it, do call into the show or do pop up in the discussion and pop it in the comment and let me know if you're that smart slash geeky enough to know the answer to that question. Also, if you've got your own potentially weird facts that you want to submit to the hundreds of people that listen to this podcast, then do call in and share them with us and I will echo every single one that I get and talk about it because this stuff is just insanely interesting to me. And of course, please do favour and applaud the station if you do enjoy what joy what you are listening to. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, then thank you so much for listening. Do rate us five stars and subscribe. That is super important to help us get to more people. And if you have your own weird facts that you want to submit, I'm always on Twitter at Mr. Jason England, and I'm on Snapchat and Instagram at the same address as well. Um, all that's left for me to say is don't forget to read the latest blogs about technology, science and geek culture on newrisingmedia.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Take care. Bye.